to another episode of But Why? And today I am joined by the wonderful Anna Martha. Anna is a psychotherapist, a two times best-selling author, or best Sunday Times best-selling author, a mum of three, and she's also a friend of mine. And Anna has got many wonderful skills, but the thing I most admire about her is her ability to take professional um, knowledge and understanding about subjects and apply it through the lens of her own personal experience. And today, Anna and I are talking about rage and specifically paternal or uh, really because we're both mums maternal rage and when I think of maternal rage I think of that moment of can everybody please just put their shoes on we've all been there we've all been there you put your shoes on the kids once and then someone takes them off and then by the time you put those on someone else has taken theirs off and you try and ice them nicely you try and negotiate and nobody is listening and eventually it boils over And not only does it boil over, in my case, immediately after that, I end up having this huge rush of guilt, of shame, for having got to that point where I've lost control. And Anna and I dive into why that happens, why we get to that loss of control moment, the pressures that might lead to it, including, you know, archetypal, perfect mother roles, and also what to do about it. Nobody wants to get to that point where you've lost it. It's not a nice feeling. And Anna, yeah, fundamentally believes that there are very small actions that we can do to help stop us getting to that point. But also, if we do get to that point, how to talk ourselves around afterwards so that we don't add a layer of guilt and shame onto what has already been quite an emotionally draining moment. One thing to flag is there was brilliantly some kind of confusion whereby Anna thought that the, the conversation we, was ha- we were having, I'm laughing, but in a kind way, she thought the conversation we were having was the prep call, that we were prepping for the interview. And as you'll see, we get a significant way into it when she asked me when we're actually going to start the real interview. Um, of course, I'd actually press record as soon as we got going. But if that's some confusion in the way that the conversation is going, that is why. But... She was still brilliant and I kind of loved that she. I had her in a more unfiltered way because she thought it was just a chat between two friends. Anyway, without further ado, let's talk to Anna. Hello. Hello, it's good to see you. And you, and you. um, Yeah, especially after like the last year when we've kind of been coaching each other through... Mm, um, ...respective projects, well, life basically, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, oh, what a year. Yeah, and in fact, we were last on a podcast together on, honestly, literally the week before lockdown, weren't we? It was, and you were trying to work out what was on your hand, and it was, can you remember, you'd put your hand on yeah. on a railing or something, like, that was um, probably, hopefully gel, hopefully gel, hand gel, what a part what? of our lives that's had to become. I had COVID not very long after that. Yeah, same did so, I, I did as well over Easter. Did we get COVID that night? Maybe. <laughs> Were we breathing COVID on each other? Maybe. We... Maybe. <laughs> because that Who was knows? literally would have been one of the last yeah. times ever that we'd gone out without a mask on. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Wild. Crazy times. Yeah, wild. and 
it's funny because the topic of that conversation was overwhelm and I'm wondering whether has the last year been a year of overwhelm yes but in a different kind of guise hasn't yeah. it yeah yeah and yeah I mean with the rage there's so much overlap yes so that's what we're talking about today is rage um, yeah. and I very clearly had a rage with in technology just now and threw my well, laptop you, across you suppressed it very well we, we didn't see that bit actually so we, that was going to we go on sorry no I was going to say are we talking about it from a maternal perspective are we talking about it from a general perspective I mean do you think there is well you tell me you I tell think because I, I don't know about your whether you're wanting to speak to a specific audience or whether it's all right just to, to speak about the maternal rage but I feel like that's the most controversial kind of rage to speak about mm-hmm. because of the archetype of the mother being like the compassionate kind caring and that's where the most shame comes with the yeah the contradiction in how we feel we should be in well this is um this is what this is like the crux of it isn't it because I yeah. I asked because this is one of those classic topics, actually, where I was like, oh, yeah, I'm interested in rage, but unlike overwhelm, I guess, I don't I don't think it's something I suffer with all the time. And then, actually, when you start, like, being aware of it, and it's interesting that you say you suppressed... I, I suppressed it. Do you think that the, when we're talking about rage, the definition of it is that very big outburst and, and something that is seen on the outside? Or do you think rage is how, how it shows up on the inside? Yeah, both. Definitely we can unpick that with the both. Because, yeah, there's a, I think for many of us in this last year, we've recognised this kind of like this bubbling up and it starts, it's like irritation to the max. It's like we've lost our buffer to the world. Yeah. And it's That's a it. very physical, physical feeling. Because anger is anger. Anger is, mm. is, yeah, anger is probably a more day-to-day sense. I'm trying to, like, get, sort these mm. emotions out mm. in my head, which mm. I know they don't all sit in separate camps. No. I know, they, but no. you know what I mean? And they look different. They, do, they look different for different people, but I think it's just this recognition of how we get to this place of rage. Like, this, it's kind of like this internal, like, feeling, this bubbling up of, like, irritation that we can, it's it's in the visualizations that we have again about throwing a bowl of pasta against the wall and just smashing it. Mm. You know, we might, we probably never will do it, but it's that fantasy of like, there's something in me that that is a physical that is prompting these kind of physical desires yeah. to just run away. And it's in the moments of being like, I just want to run, I want to slam open the front door and flipping get out run down that road it's that same that fight or flight that same feeling it's all intertwined so people will it will resonate with people for different reasons because it yeah Yeah. it will manifest in different ways but so when I say rage to you the moments that you think about are that I mean we literally can think of them probably all of us yeah exactly those the the dinner time when everyone is whining and nobody will eat and 
it's that uh, for me it's like that death by a thousand paper cuts it's like the, the 20th time i've asked you to put your shoes on and there's a ticking time of for example having to get to school that yeah. that's that for me it's those combinations that actually when we talk about rage i think kind of, of animals it's those moments when you're like backed up against a wall i think yeah. is yeah, when I i'm most likely so. to go yeah Ah! and it's the yeah. shouting you know it's the rage that comes out and the shouting at the kids and then yeah. the guilt that follows so how can we find ways to a lessen that feeling of what is actually depletion is we haven't got a buffer and and how do we also respect those feelings in us so when we say we haven't got a buffer i think is that partly obviously that as adults, we, if it's an adult interacting, we hopefully know when not to push that. But kids being yes. kids, they, that's it, isn't it? You've kind of given them the signals of this is enough and then they go again yeah. and they go again. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's when, it's when that fight or flight is. So say you've had a really good night's sleep and the kids are acting up and you can contain, it's containment of your own emotions. So I might find something really annoying, but I know that they're just a child. They're not doing it on purpose. I've got mm -hmm. to just breathe and stay calm and then they'll be off to school in a minute and it calmness will resume. Mm -hmm. And that takes energy to go through that process internally. That takes energy and intentionality you're saying mm -hmm. that there's a child part in me that wants to throw a tantrum too there's a child part mm -hmm. in me that wants to go upstairs and climb back into bed and say i'm not doing this but we you know we we're always kind of balancing that with the adult part of us that has responsibilities and we know what mm -hmm. we should do and we know how we should respond and the way that's going to lead to less backlash from the kids and less guilt for us and when we have energy, we go through that process very quickly. But the more depleted we are, the less of a, mm. the less resource we have, and the more likely things are going to come out sideways. And we're just going to have these visions, and sometimes we're going to act out on them, or we're going to scream, we're going to shout because mm. we're children too, in a way, in, in adults' mm -hmm. bodies. And it's, it's like we're containing them, we're containing ourselves, and that takes a lot. Yeah, and then you throw in, like, you know, the key triggers for me and when I ask people, lack of sleep, hormones. Yeah. yeah. Probably those two, actually, and, and probably overwhelm because that's yeah. when I lose it at my kids when secretly I'm trying to read an email at the same time as cooking dinner. And yeah. so then it's lunch... the gear change. Yeah. It's the gear change. You're constantly, like, you're in one mode, then you're in another mode, and then you're distracted out of that mode, and then you it makes you feel cross because... As humans, we like we like being single-minded. It takes a lot of energy to do that constant gear shifting. So the less rest you have, the more kind of, of that stress response, those moments are going to kick off in you. And it's how can we protect and, and manage ourselves in a way that is kind. And then this is where we get to the overwhelm and the burnout stuff. Like, what are we doing? How are we viewing rest? Where are we taking it? You know... I've completely and utterly transformed my whole opinion of it this last year and, and how I've asserted my need for it. And, and this is, you know, this is where, yeah, it comes down to how can you be the parent you want to be when you're not respecting your own basic needs? Yeah, to pick up on that, I know what you're referring to, which is we've got this kind of idea that self-care is like um, face masks and 
manicures, which are both forms of self-care, but you're, we're talking the ones that are before this, the staying hydrated, the going to bed yeah. on time, the time yeah. of technology, moving your body, isn't it? It's like very, very, very basic self-care that we are yeah. so quick to nip away at. Well, and this is where I can reframe that very simply for people in that that's not self-care, that's self-respect. Yeah. Like even prisoners get those things. Even prisoners get those things. You know, we need those as a, as foundational things and then mm. we need more. And then we need more. And it's just, mm. you know, starting to really urgently shift the way that people are viewing these things. Mm. And yeah, I guess there's no wonder then it's this year has been tough because it's it was much more difficult to to get those moments, wasn't it? Because... Absolutely. I've got some. Uh, yeah, I've just got some specific moments in the last year that I can really talk through openly that I think will help people about mm-hmm. times when I've screamed in the middle of the kitchen and made the kids cry. You know, mm. just, mo- you know, those pinch point moments that. I I wanted support in that moment. I'd text Taryn to say, you need to come down. I need to step out for 10 minutes because I knew mm-hmm. that's what I needed. And he didn't he didn't pick the message up. So 20 minutes, half an hour later, I stood in the kitchen yeah. and I screamed. I roared like a lion because it was so, mm-hmm. I was having to suppress something so physical. Mm-hmm. And I'll talk about this fight or flight, this like thundercloud where your desire for, for space and freedom, which a human needs, mm-hmm. comes into contact with the responsibility of being a parent on all of that me and all of what that that means. So it's this thundercloud where those two things collide, and it's like there's no way out, and it's a physical. Mm-hmm. You get that fight or flight, and it's almost it can feel like a panic response for people, but it's recognizing mm-hmm. when that's building up. How can you ask, like, what do you need? And how can you actually preempt those moments by beginning to become more sensitive to what those needs are in the day to day so that you're fueling yourself in preparation for and in training for these moments? Like rest is training. Rest is preparation. Mm, there is a problem that we have been living in, in extreme circumstances for a long time. That's, yeah. that's the thing, isn't it, with any of this? And I was actually messaging a friend yesterday. Like, overwhelm, well, I thrive off being busy and then learning to catch when that turns into overwhelm. But you can exist in overwhelm like, a get, again, with any kind of high-level exercise. You can ex- exist in the peak for a little bit. You know, I could do a couple of days if, if it's, and then, but we've been existing in these like survival modes for, you know, the best part of a year. It's now. chronic, it's been chronic, it's been chronic. And I think the fact is, what we need, we can't get. So the rest we need, we can't get. So we then, you know, we then just overlook the small things because we're like, well, I don't want to sit flipping down on the sofa for five sodding minutes. I want to lie on the sofa for five days Mm. when actually, you know, it's like we need to take what we can get for now before we get to a time in life where we can take more. Yeah. Like that five minutes might just top me up two millimeters enough Mm. to, to not scream at my middle child the next time he, whatever, like it's, Mm. it's, it's not everything. But it's something something. and something Mm. is never nothing. So it's like, how can we actually, and I can talk about the things that I've been doing this last year that have been changing my life. And none of them, none of them take longer than five or 10 minutes because they can't. So cold Mm. showers, 
I don't I don't even know why I love them, but I can't stop. And and they, it does something to me. It's like resets your nervous system a little bit. It mm -hmm. kind of, you know, and that I do that for two minutes a day. Um, I've been sitting down. And um, so in the evening, I've been swapping out my phone for my for a Kindle, you know, in bed because I'm going to read in bed and I'm going to read off a screen. So I bought myself a yeah. Kindle. Um, I've been doing yoga every day this this month and that's been so good. And I've I don't think I've ever done more than 20 minutes. And often it's even a five minute one on the bed. Mm. I said to mm. Taryn the other night, do you want to do some bed yoga with me? And he was all very excited <laughs> until he realised what I was going to do. Down dogs. But, you know, it's even if it's at the very end of the day, mm. I'm, I'm getting it in there because these things matter. And they're not, you know, they're not game changers and life changers. They're, they're minute changers. They're, yeah. you know, they might change an interaction that I have with one of my kids that will mean that I don't have to feel guilty and carry that shame, which I'm then going to criticize myself for. And then I'm not going to do those things because I don't feel worthy of them. So it's, you know, it's got to be the little things. It's got to be the little things that we talk about because mm. otherwise, you know, it's not, yeah, it's not sustainable and it's not implementable at this time in life. Yeah. And basically it's pulling yourself back from the edge, isn't it? And you, if mm -hmm. you can re repeatedly do that, and actually, maybe two of those little things take you further enough back from the edge that you might for a moment be able to breathe. And I think it's maybe try and be an optimist. It's good for us to have learned some of this over the last year because I definitely, in, in old life, existed till the next holiday and, and then would usually either get ill on holiday or just absolutely crash and then you, then you feel bad because you ruined the holiday because you were so exhausted. Yeah. We only get one life. We only get one life. Like, what are we living for? Yeah. Like, we get this one time. And I don't want to live like that anymore because it's not sustainable. I don't like myself mm. when I'm that when I'm that burnt out. Mm. And I sure people might like me more because I'm doing more and I'm doing better. But actually, ultimately, it's my life. At the end of the day, I'm the one that's going to be there hopefully you know in my 90s or 80s or whatever lying there thinking you know I kept I enjoyed that too mm. I enjoyed being me too mm. and that this like sits right in the middle of it like once in a while when I've got some perspective you know everyone always says this bit that is our really really hard challenging bit of our life while our kids are small this hard bit is the bit, you know, this is, and of course there will be other bits, but we will one day look back and go, oh, I've just read things really like, you'll long for the kind of hubbub of, of the house and the, the reading, them, you know, the reading the stories and putting on shoes. And, and I even see that with my eldest, you know, you, it, it begins to shift and you're like, oh, you don't quite want me in the same way. And all those years that I was desperate for some of my own space. And I think it's about, yeah, enabling us to exist in a way that we can be present, I suppose. Like, and I've got this mantra recently, and it's it's um, and I go around saying to myself, "Not everyone likes me, and I'm going to die." And and I think those two things have been the fuel of a lot of fear and anxiety in my life. And actually, I'm realizing that I can really turn that around. And if it's something that I come to terms with, the fact that not everyone's going to like me and, and that I'm going to die. die. And I start living in light of that and stop trying to escape it and stop trying to, you know, dodge it and 
fear it, but actually, yeah, come to terms with the fact that I am going to die one day. Therefore, this is it. This is my mm. shot. This is mm. this is my one life. And actually, if it 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 actually can make you become so much more. You want to seek the things that are good for you, as well as for the people around you. Not only just living to please and yeah, just using all those resources. So I'm trying to unpick that back to like the the throwing the pasture at the wall moment. What is it? Is it because we've we have been because we're so we want to do it so well. We want to yeah. do it so well. We want to do it perfectly because we're scared. We're scared of getting it wrong. And in doing that, we heap so much pressure on ourselves that we're not allowing ourselves just to have normal human responses to the circumstances. We're not we're not listening to the needs because actually it's really inconvenient to need to rest when I could be doing stuff. Mm. And yeah, I mean, we, I know that we're very similar personalities, but like, I'm very quick in the moment of rest. My default, I've tried to work on it, is to then go get this voice of laziness in my head. Like you're, you're lazy, you could be doing something. And it's like... You, you are doing something. You're doing something. <laughs> it's productive. You're, tr- you're, you're, you're in, in a point of, in that restful moment, you're rehabilitating, you're recovering... And you are you are resourcing yourself with a thing. You are resourcing with yourself, yourself with something that you will need to spend mm. in a minute, mm. tomorrow. And you need that because that is what's going to allow you to be a good parent. And the, yeah, I mean, I talk about it often and I know you're, you feel the same, like those finding those windows to go and exercise, even if it's a walk around the block or a five minute Absolutely. bed yoga or yeah. Yeah, a full on yeah. sweat. I come yeah. back, like, I, I can literally feel like a totally different parent in between those yeah. two moments. And, um, yeah. Yeah, you, yeah, you have to negotiate it in yourself. Well, I don't anymore, but I've taught myself not yeah. to negotiate. But prior to that, like... Yeah. It's yeah, choosing so... fact over feeling. Because the feeling is, this is lazy, this is selfish. Okay, that's the feeling and feelings aren't facts. So what is the fact of the matter? And let that fact be the driving force. I know that doing this helps me to parent better. I know that doing this, and I talk about, you know, how rest, we need rest to laugh. But you need energy to laugh. Like, I don't know about you, but there are times of the day where I'm like, I, I, I do not joke with me. I do not have the sense of humor. I have oh. not got enough energy to find this remotely funny. I Whereas know. when I've got energy, you know, I could be, I could be laughing my head off at that very same thing. So, you know, rest, resources, it's not just to kind of find ways to disperse this way, rage and value our emotion, but it, to laugh and to, to flop onto the sofa and to have nice kind of free conversation and to rationalise mm. anxious and intrusive thoughts. Like rest is absolutely vital for good mental health. And I think people don't put those things together. Like I need mm-hmm. rest to be a nice person. I am not mm. a nice person. I don't even and like in, myself. Before you're a parent, you kind of the rest is, is sorted out because you you get consistent sleep for a long time. But I mean, even when you've got my kids, generally sleep through the night. But actually, then you think, oh, think about it. Oh no, actually, yesterday she did come in at five thirty or whatever. And so even our basic needs are being yeah chipped away out there. So we have to learn yep. to to put it elsewhere, don't we? Mm, mm. The thing is, when you say it, it's all so obvious. 
when you're in that moment, it's almost, it's gone too far down the road. It's yeah, very, very, it's very hard to pull yourself back. But if we are even mindful and if we understand rage and parental maternal rage enough then we can start thinking well actually I do need to do these things because I hate feeling like that and I hate having to deal with the collateral damage of when I've stood in the kitchen and screamed at everyone I hate you know it makes me feel horrible and I then have to have conversations with my kids and my husband almost you know I feel bad I feel guilty I feel Mm -hmm. messy so I you know it's almost holding in my mind how that feels and knowing that doing these small things is protection against yeah, those yeah. moments. It's, I'm trying to join the dots in my head because for me, I think rage often is about a time of lack of control. Mm-hmm. And then ironically, the way rage feels spills out is shows up as a total, is like the epitome of a lack, of loss of control. And I feel like... Mm-hmm. But then maybe this is what you're saying. We, For me, I have to learn not to try and control everything perfectly because... Yeah, to start, to start acknowledging, validating and valuing the whole spectrum of emotion because I think as mums, we've got this kind of archetypal, I must be kind and gentle and calm and loving and consistent. We're humans. That is not how we are. That is not how we work. We can feel angry and loving and anxious and excited all in one go. And when we stop, I think we can, you know, a big thing that's caused this, I feel, is like this toxic positivity of when you feel when you feel like you want to run out the door, you tell yourself, no, you shame yourself and you say, mm-hmm. but I should be grateful, but I should be grateful. I've got these healthy kids. I should be grateful. This is exactly what I wanted. So many people have it harder than me. And then what have you done with that emotion? You've pushed it down, you've suppressed it. And then that goes towards kind of building up this rage, which I think of as unmet needs and, and unvalidated emotion. So if you can start recognizing what you're doing in your mind to yourself, then we will stop pushing down and pushing down these feelings that we're shaming ourselves for that are actually human responses to the circumstances. And then we will have less of those moments. And also to add on to that, which I've heard you talk about before, but I think people really forget that your feelings are signals from your body. So if you're feeling agitated, it could be that your blood sugar's crashing or if you're, you know... It's exactly what you said before about when the basic self-care, but we we misunderstand emotions, uh, yeah, and the relationship with... The brain can't speak, so it has to make you, like, feel things, and it's like, yeah, you're agitated because you need to sleep, or you're, you're, you're angry because you need to eat, or you're... And if, yeah, we continue to forget to do those, then, of course, they well, bubble yeah. up into this... Of course they do. Of course they do. And it's it's getting into, it's changing habits, it's changing emotional habits. So when you're thinking, what do the kids need? Are they hungry, angry, lonely, tired? Do they need a hug, a snack? What? Just to ask yourself, what do I need? There is a little child in all of us that needs things. And I think sometimes this rage is that, is that child yeah. in me going, just ah, going mad? Me. Like, why are you not bloody listening? Yeah. You know, and it's yeah. this constant. I tried to make you eat. I tried to make you drink. I tried yeah, to make yeah, you go yeah. for a wee. You've not listened to any yeah. of them. And here yeah. we are. Maybe that's why you feel so wobbly afterwards, because it really is like this inner child moment, isn't it? Of like, help yeah. me, basically. We, we can talk, you know, we can definitely talk about that. But, you know, all of this stuff is it's all interlinked and... I think it would just be really helpful for people to put these things together because ultimately I think what people are feeling at the minute is 
I'm just feeling really irritable. I'm finding myself wanting to throw something on my husband because the sound of him eating is really just... And, in, and then we're just judging ourselves for feeling mm. this way yeah, and we're holding horrible. kind of then shame and criticism and then we go into this kind of cycle of rage where we're exhausted so we can't contain our own, our own emotion. It spills out. Then we shame ourselves. Then we're less likely to meet our own needs because we don't feel deserving. We don't feel deserving. We're just trying to punish ourselves. So we're in a downward spiral. But when we can start seeing how connected these things all are, mm. we can yeah. find compassion Fix for it. ourselves and shift the whole thing, turn the whole thing on its head. And yeah, it's also important to acknowledge like we are existing often as a couple of parents in a house or several people in a house. And and unusually everybody is at this point and then normally where we'd maybe reach out to friends or family it's been this collective burnout and so it, this is why it's so acute isn't it it's like yeah when both of you are in one house all the time nowhere to put that it, it's like mm. it's really not mm. surprising and i think something that we've circled around I think it, people really ought to understand that this is happening to everyone. Like I think of all my lovely mum friends. I think, oh wow, she would she would never do that. Everybody, everybody has yelled oh, at their yeah. kids and to this, put their shoes this on. This is why this is why it's going to be so helpful because it rages a taboo subject because there's so much fear of what if someone sees me like that? What if someone knows that I'm like that? Then they might think I'm a bad mum. You know, and there's shame that we hold in ourselves of, I don't deserve to have my children. What's wrong with me? I, I don't deserve this love from them. I don't deserve this support because I'm I'm a mess. I can't, you know, why am I so angry? We don't understand it in ourselves often. Do you think that rage is a, a learned behaviour or... or I think, yeah. I think it's very physical. It's very physical. And there's so many other kinds of rage. Like there's you know, passionate rage and rage against injustice. Like there's really mm. motivating, productive, efficient rage that actually if our kids see us angry at the TV because we're learning about the poverty, then actually that's an educational moment for them. That's there mm -hmm. for them to see that, you know, rage can be motivating. It can be, mm -hmm. rage is often behind some, you know, many of the charities that exist are based on this moment of rage of like, this is not okay. So there are lots of different kinds of rage and it's all in how we communicate it and what we do with those feelings. But in and of themselves, like it's there as a flag. If you're feeling yeah. irritable and angry, that is a see that as a flag, not something to shame yourself for. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? Because that's why I was trying to wonder. Yeah, all, all, most things have benefits if we can see them in some way or another. And in maternal, yeah. the maternal context is like, do something, make some changes. But yeah, rage against the injustice. Because I really always admire those people who can like, I guess in restaurants it isn't this quite the same, but who can effectively complain in a, in a, in a, in a well-mannered way. But I guess that isn't rage because you haven't lost rage it. Is, rage is threat. It's when, we, it's when something is threatened. And it might be your ethical construct. It might be how you believe people should be treated. That That is what is a threat when you read a news article. Or it might be that actually your sanity and your safety and your basic human needs feel threatened in that moment where you, you cannot breathe, you cannot get space. And that is what that motivating factor for that for that rage is. So it's it's always something that we should see as a flag. Why do people get road rage then? I'm, I'm wondering men. Why because it's... 
I think often is, you know, when rage is kind of bubbling under the surface, it's far more likely to leap out. So if there's kind mm. of existing, you know, right. lack of management of needs and emotions and it's all just there in one big lump of kind of bubbling rage ready to go, then, you know, it will it will pop out. It will pop yeah. out at something completely and utterly disconnected. Yeah. And it might be that with... sense of injustice. Like, this is my, you know, this is my space on the road and you've just, mm -hmm. you know, you've just done this or... And that's just, that's the platform. That's what it gets lumped on. Mm, that's it, isn't it? It's like that person's crossed a boundary or, yeah. Yeah. So it, it, it just... That's quite interesting, and these are massive sweeping generalisations, but if, if men haven't been given the facility to talk about their feelings, then of course it comes out with a honk of a horn because, yeah, it's, yeah, it's a much easier platform to do it on, I guess. Yeah, and are we feeling more rage as mothers because we, you know, because of this super mum ideal that's been that's absolutely grown with social media, that actually we're shaming ourselves for feelings, whereas before we were seen as, like, you know, the emotional women that would cry to friends and and is there less of that now in some ways maybe because there's more pressure to be seen to, it's just a, you know it's an interesting thing to think about and now a quick advert for my book but why how to answer tricky questions from kids by having an honest conversation with yourself and it's very apt because anna actually wrote the forward forward the intro bit don't know what you call it for the book because for all the reasons i said I admire her mind and her experience hugely. And she also helped me with this section of the book called Complex Feelings, um, in which I answer questions including, but why do we have feelings? But why do I feel angry? But why don't I feel happy all the time? And Anna was a great source of knowledge for that bit. But Why is available to pre-order now and it's published on the 22nd of July, so not long. Um, I'll put the link in the show notes if you would like to grab yourself a copy. Well, it's, I, this is like a side point, but another big learning from this year and it, is that like the farce of how the, the Pinterest birthday party has come along is absolutely, you know, kids do not need a balloon bridge and a unicorn cake and, and a theme. Like my kids' birthday, they each had one over the uh, lockdown and they've been some of the nicest birthdays. They've been so low-key. They've been allowed a Deliveroo and we've had a cake and we've gone for a walk. And yep. then you just and yes, it would have been nice to see their friends, of course. But apart from that, this yeah, this pressure to perform a lovely day takes away from the reality of a lovely well, day. Yeah. And it's it's actually giving yourself permission to not to subscribe to things like that. Mm. And it's the meaning, you know, it's actually we do have a choice as to what we place meaning onto. But it becomes a lot more it has to be conscious. It has to be like, wait a minute, I'm feeling like I should do that. My thing's hovering over the Amazon app. But actually, yeah. is this really what I want? And again, that process takes energy. Mm. And if we're burnt out, we're more likely to be subscribing to things. But actually, when we really think about it, that's not really what we want or what we need. Mm. But that, you know, that takes energy. That takes energy. And yeah. It's so, so true, isn't it? You go, right, yeah, I must I must add going on Amazon to my list and I've got to order all of this stuff and then I've got to construct something and then this and then that and, and you've just built up this whole thing and no wonder then on the actual day you find yourself being short with the birthday child because you've, you've exhausted yeah. yourself and then you, then yeah. you feel horrible yeah. for being the angry mum 
but being yeah. giving yourself no chance. What so obviously the self care or what did you call it? You had gave it a better term. Than self, self-care. I actually would like in this. You know, we can we can touch on self care as being those extra things, but but actually it's it's self respect. It's self preservation. It's it's this is actually a matter of urgency. You're you know I remember saying to my therapist through one walk through the woods I was like, it's almost as if my sanity and my parenting depends on it me doing these things and she was uh, like yeah. yes that's that's because it does that's yeah. because it does depend on these things and it's yeah. like this massive click in how shaping how i see rest yeah we have to this has to happen for people to have healthy minds especially now that more and more and more the expectations the the standards everything is going up so if we want to ascribe to any of those things we need to become more intentional about what we're ascribing to, what we're ascribing ourselves to. Which, yeah, comes back to a lot of what I've written about. And I mean, we both covered similar things. If you, if you keep plugging into other people's worlds all the time, you're, you're, yeah, chipping away at your own capacity to know what you actually think, to hear your own signals, to know, trust your own intuition. Um, as you know, because you're one of the few people who have read my book, you know, I've, try and champion to finding little tiny bits of silence which sounds like absolute yeah. madness but we need to you you have to make them and you think about how in the olden days th- those would have just been offered on a plate between you know so and so coming to your house and after the school run and and now we have to consciously make them and we need them our nervous systems need them but we we have to also be aware that we're guilty of taking them away from ourselves. I'm, you know, yes. We don't get trains very much anymore. But like, when would I ever look out a train window or when in the post office queue? Like I always pick up my phone you have and to I challenge now challenge yourself. And also, just you know, so I I made this kind of observation the other day that pe- people found it really helpful. And it's like we want to escape. We want space from where we are. So we pick up our phones and enter the busiest place in the entire universe. (laughs) So, you know, you're looking to kind of take away some of the external simulation, but then you're completely and utterly consuming more of it in a different way. And it's, it's in these small decisions. It's in these small decisions. And we have to have energy to be able to be intentional about them. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, we just revert to habit because that's what we are. We're habitual creatures. So, of course, we're going to pick up the phone because that is what we do. I mean, it's mad. And, and yeah, it's, that is what it is. So you're literally bouncing from, yeah, this hectic hectic thing to hectic thing. And when I'm really burnt out, I can literally physically feel that in my mind and in my body, that kind of short-circuiting that's going on. It's the adrenaline. It's the cortisol. Your body is in, your body is in stress mode. We're living in yeah. stress mode. It's going to kill Long us. Term. If it doesn't kill us physically, it will it will kill our experience of life because we're constantly running away. And, and and this is it. It comes back to the fact we get to do this once. Do we want to address this or do we want to keep living like this? Because we, unless we change something, just little things, nothing changes. This is how yeah. we will live our lives. The way we spend yeah. we, our day is the way we will spend our life unless we change it. And the reality is we... I don't feel like we're quite seeing the implications of this. Like we are the first people to parent in a full technology driven universe, aren't we? So we we haven't seen the long term impact of this. And and you know, look, I'm not I'm not hitting on technology. I often think about 
for my mum, she would have gone to play group or whatever and then come home and had nothing, like no interaction. And on the one hand, that must have been very disconcerting. But in fact, she did have those times when the energy levels would have would have decreased. And so, yeah, I, I really agree that we aren't, we're headed to somewhere really ugly unless we all consciously try and do something about it. If it, it does, like when I'm talking, it does feel like a bit of an emergency. And I've seen it amongst my friends, like my close friends. I've seen each of us kind of drop off at, over the last year and then us help buoy one another back up. And of course, I, I acknowledge that this is a time in our life when we've got kids and, you know, we're headed to a point where maybe our parents are getting older as well and that things are going to get tough. But we also can't. It's easy to go, oh, it's just the way it is. We'll just keep living, like scrambling through. But it, it can't be that way, can it? No, and we want more for our kids and we, we want more for ourselves. And, and they will see, they will do what they see. So if we want more for them, we need to seek more for ourselves. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. When I then see, particularly one of my children is more prone to rage. And I see it. And the problem is that then brings out rage in me. And you end up going head to head and you're just like, oh, wow. How can I preach to him about how to learn to control his emotion? Mm-hmm. Yeah, control, that is it. We've talked yeah. about this before, don't you? It's not about yeah. suppressing the emotions. It's about learning what but appropriate action. The, absolutely, and valuing the emotions that are behind that and the needs that are behind that. Yeah, and how can you? How can we hope for them to get it if, if we're not modelling mm-hmm. it in ourselves? Mm-hmm. So I want, always want to be helpful, like both of us do. So what if you, if you're feeling the rage, what are you, what are your short term fixes? You know, like, I guess it's as you said, like um, messaging Taryn and feeling it bubbling and trying to mm-hmm, get, mm-hmm. get yourself out of it. The the earlier the better because it's like a runaway train, and when it when it's really there, you are in fight or flight mode, so you almost have to treat it like a panic attack. So it's what it's breathing. It's literally stepping away out of that room, round the corner, standing against a wall with your feet on the floor and breathing because because you are in that fight or flight mode. Your rationality has gone, you know, it's 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 jumping out the window in that moment. So how can you literally calm your body so that you can regain control and you can start moving with some more of that intentionality and that clarity that mm-hmm. comes when we're not in that fight or flight mode. So it's recognizing that your body is in an, in an emergent state. It feels like you feel like you are at threat. So you are in survival mode. You can go, actually, I can't manage bedtime on my own or, you know, yeah, they can watch a bit more TV. And it's this lad is perfectly back, doesn't it? To this, uh, this thing yeah. of perfect motherhood. What yeah. sometimes you just got to cut yourself some slack. Of course, we want to aim to feed Absolutely. our kids good food and keep them off the TV a bit. And but sometimes you just let it go. Trickling through it all is this perpetual mum guilt, guilt for watching, potential guilt for watching daytime TV, guilt for giving them toast for dinner, and and guilt. It's just an imaginary thing, isn't it? It's yep. yeah, yeah, and it is just reframing the way that we see that, and it's kind of almost re-educating ourselves and taking away the comparison and being like, "Sod what other people are doing. What is right for me? What mm. you know?" It's almost like we dehumanize ourselves when we are attaining, attempting to attain something that is not, it's not sustainable in a healthy way. 
and I, you know it's just really working with that guilt because guilt is habitual for us we are in the habit mm. of feeling guilt guilt is our response mm. to shame ourselves criticize ourselves to feel guilty and we do not need to feel that and i've got a good mm. tip for that that i can talk people through as well go for it um so it's act address compassion and tweak so address it what are you feeling guilty about you know i'm feeling guilty that i shouted at the kids okay is that justified guilt or unjustified guilt well it's kind of justified because that's not what i want to do mm-hmm. um but yeah okay. i'm feeling guilty about that and then t um see compassion regardless of what you've done you are deserving of compassion mm-hmm. compassion unsticks shame you know, if if we're going to shame ourselves for something, we're just going to be stuck in that. We're never, you know, we're always going to be criticizing ourselves. We're never going to move forward. So how can you introduce some compassion? You know, you've been juggling so much. You're exhausted. This isn't a normal time. This is incredibly challenging. Um, you know, you've had a lot on your plate. So just bring in compassion as if you would with a friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then T, the tweak. What can you do off the back of that? You know, I shouted at the kids. Therefore, I'm going to take a moment to explain to them that that is not how I want to talk to them mummy's really tired and I mummy should have you know I mummy needs a bit of a rest and and I'm sorry for shouting at you and that isn't Mm -hmm. what I want to do and and actually tweak what what might you actually do for yourself what do you actually need what can you instill what can you get for yourself Mm -hmm. you know so seeing that seeing guilt as a red flag again a little bit like we were talking about rage seeing guilt as a red flag what was the what were the was what was the acronym so act address act address compassion and tweak so Mm. that that guilt isn't there to shame you that doesn't need to shame you anymore you've addressed it you said right i know what i know what it was i know how i can Mm. be kind to myself and being compassionate to yourself it doesn't necessarily mean that 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 you're denying that that wasn't something you wanted to do, that it wasn't mm-hmm. wrong in some way for you. Mm-hmm. It's just meaning that you're not stuck in that place so that you can move forward, so that it's, you know, that guilt is a motivating emotion rather mm. than a shaming emotion. That feels like such an important piece of the puzzle because we're not sitting here and saying, like, rage is not good, is it? And so it's like, well, I want to show compassion for myself for when it happens. But also I need to try and make sure that it doesn't keep happening because, yeah, I definitely don't mm. want to raise my kids in a home full of rage. That's, that's awful. Yeah. It's like making that guilt or the red flag useful to, to be something that shifts things rather than just, I was angry, I feel bad about it, I was angry, I just feel bad about it. it is, that is not, that's not a cycle that we want to continue either. Hermie, can I just ask something? I don't know whether we started recording or not yet. I know we're recording, but I felt I I wasn't sure whether this was the pre we were talking no, about recording. what we were going to say. Oh no! Oh. Did you think well, so do you think we were just doing a massive Yes, and then I was thinking, yeah. You think? Oh my god! And I wouldn't talk to a prep of fifty minutes <laughs> because. Well, no, that's <laughs> what I was wondering. And oh, then, okay. Now I'm make, but you've done it all. No, that's good. No, because I was thinking, well, I'm going to say all this stuff again in a minute. And then the time was going on. And then I was thinking, oh, no, I have have got to do something at half 12. So, no, that's cool. That's cool. But I probably would have just, I feel like I framed some things as if I was going to talk about that when actually. You haven't talked about it. Oh, my God, that is so funny. How long have you been worrying about this bit for that that we weren't getting? This whole time, because I think what what I understood that, 
the way that I thought what I thought was happening is that you were trying to find a way to kind of knit it together so that we could talk about it in a way that flowed and I was there thinking but Clemmy this is this is great what we're talking about now this this is it does all knit together it does all fit together that's my job though I've achieved that okay okay yes yes brilliantly no worries we'll carry on just take that bit out <laughs> okay. Oh my God, Anna, but that's a horrible thing to have been sitting in where, where you're thinking, when are we going to get on to the actual bit, Telford? Yeah. Like, well, we've, okay. you know, I've got some notes here and we've basically gone through, you know, we're, we're working through them very, very well. So, no, that's good. Now I'm in, yeah, uh, but I probably would have been right... in a slightly different headspace. Yeah. Would you? No. Yeah, you we're, saying all the, okay. we're saying all the right stuff. It's all good. I'm trying to think yeah. if there's anything where you feel you might not have landed the point in the way that you thought you wanted to. I mean, I don't know no, what, I don't, how I expect I Steve then to I, fix it. No, I don't think so. No, actually, because then this is more of a chat. It's almost more organic because I wasn't... It takes away were... the performative element of actually what we've been talking uh, about. Yeah. Oh, no. Well, this good. is different, isn't it? Anyone would no, think I'm here talking to you. It's brilliant. <laughs> what have what else is in your notes? I that... think for me it was like in moments where I said I, I've got a really helpful tip and then you never that did I them. can share with people. And then <laughs> and then you're like, go and share go and share it. And I was thinking, what, so that you can see whether I can share it when we actually record it. I was like There we go. There we go. And I know my next big question, this is a more just me using you as my therapist. So I think quite often I'm very good at swallowing what is close to rage, like just having absolute seething thoughts running through my body. And I then I wonder whether I should be a bit better at not doing that. I can't I I don't know which is a healthier thing, the external versus internal. I think it's acknowledging it and and asking if you're going to see that rage. So when you feel like a little fireball in your throat and you're like, nope, I'm just going to swallow that down, calm blue oceans. You know, just even if it's not in that moment, just ask yourself, what what was that about? What kind of rage was that? What was motivating it? Was it a need that hasn't been met? Is it a feeling that I haven't validated? So that you're kind of doing a little a little emotional debrief. Mm-hmm. And would you go, like, would you talk, so you're having that conversation with yourself and it's probably worth talking it out. Is like, I think I, with my kids, do some to sometimes say to them, I'm beginning to feel angry. Yeah, I do. I try and give yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, I, I do. And I say, you know, I often say, like, I might even give them a warning. Like, I, mum is really tired. I'm really, I don't always talk about myself in the third person, by the way. I'm really tired. I didn't sleep very well last night. Mm. I feel I feel quite grumpy. I'm going to try really hard. You know, I want to try really hard not to be calm. And if they're really, mm. you know, if they're kind of being a bit off the wall, I might say, oh, I'm finding it really, I'm really trying hard to, to be calm. I want to be calm. I don't want to do shouting. So it's almost like, I'm not loading that responsibility on them, but but I think it's also really helpful for them just to hear that I'm a, you know, I have these emotions too and we all impact each other and I also want to talk to the kids when I can see they're feeling angry. You know, it's like, it's okay for them to feel angry and just to talk about what that might 
be about and what we might be able to do to kind of help or meet that need that's underneath that frustration for them because it might just feel they feel like it they're in there's an injustice because often I find with my kids it's an injustice of but you said you were going to do this and now we're not and I'm like yeah but but time if that's taken so long to do that we don't have any time for that anymore and I understand I, you know, and I feel really cross sometimes when I get excited about something and I can't do it. Mm. You know, it's not even about fixing it for them. It's just, it's validating mm. it. And that's the powerful yes. thing, I think, that we can offer ourselves is that it's that validation. It's not even the fixing. And it's like, we just want to fix everything and we want to bring it back to this kind of like level playing field. But that isn't how we work. No, that's it, isn't it? We can't, everything isn't... Um yeah things just aren't going along smoothly that's not how life works and i'm also thinking as you're talking we also want our kids to learn to spot other people's boundaries so if i'm saying to them i'm feeling cross i'm feeling cross i always say to them don't make me use my scary voice i have one voice that i can reduce them to tears on but you know what sometimes very occasionally they they need it because they, they sometimes that voice comes out to protect them or because enough absolutely. Is enough. absolutely and i don't i hate absolutely. using it but we are also trying to yeah, raise emotionally intelligent children that don't push people to the point of mm-hmm. seeing red. So they have to, they can't think that mummy is always feeling tickety-boo and calm when they're actually behaving in a way that, that isn't appropriate. Yeah. And I think I'm, I'm trying, to, trying to teach the kids a lot about kind of respecting each other at the moment. Mm. Like if, if, if Charlie says he doesn't like that, even if you think it's funny, respect yes, that he doesn't like that. It doesn't, you know, you might think, well, it's ridiculous. You might think it's hilarious, but actually Charlie doesn't. So therefore Mm. you can be kind in your respect. Mm. And I think, again, a lot of that is, is so transferable to ourselves. Like we, we might think, oh, I shouldn't feel like this. I shouldn't feel like that. But actually there's a part of us that does. So why can't we just respect that that's how we feel? Do you know what? Mm. We were meant to be in Wales over half term and we'd booked this kind of Airbnb where Taryn grew up. We'd booked it out for a week and we were meant to be in Wales. And I was feeling like this constant kind of perpetual state of burnout rage. Like literally I could not, I had no skin to life. I had no resilience. Mm -hmm. And I remember saying to Taryn, I'm going to need space. And I don't think that you're, that I'm going to be able to get what I need there. I I can't, you know, I thought sitting in that car for four hours with the three kids, I cannot... I do not have the energy to contain myself. I do not have the energy to kind of, yeah, to be rational and to be, Mm. to to not just knee jerk all over the place and like pop out Mm. all over the place because Mm. I had nothing left. And I felt so guilty because, do you know what, that morning we decided we were going and I kept crying every time I tried to put something in a bag. Because the enormity, it just felt so enormous Mm. that... You know, I knew that I wasn't going to be able to respond to the kids in the way that they wanted and respond to my husband in Mm. a way that he deserved, in a way that was respectful Mm. to to all of them. So we ended up not going. Well done. That's really brave. Which which was huge, which was huge because I would have, you know, historically, I would have just dragged myself and been like, oh, for goodness sake, you cannot be responsible for wrecking this. You know, all year I've been saying I need a change in context. And then the day day we could go, I couldn't, I just literally couldn't do it. And um, I think it's having the grace and like compassion for yourself to know when you have met your limit. And actually, 
as mothers, we are often the most important people in our whole fa- in our family. We mm. are the ones doing all the things. We're the ones who know all the stuff. We're the ones keeping it all together for for our kids. Often, in my family, my husband's out at work a lot, and you know, so therefore, we collectively need to ensure that I am okay. There was a few days where all I honestly, all I wanted to do was lie on the sofa and stare at a wall because I was so yeah. depleted and I was so mm. irritable. I would have to leave the room if my husband was chewing something because I did also not. Have to do with your cycle, sorry. Well, and, and actually that, that, that often comes, for me, it's the noise sensitivity and that's how I knew I was getting my period because I'd have these yeah. couple of days and I remember in the summer, if there was a fly in the room, I would want to smash something, yeah. you know, and... And it, and it is that, and actually I think often we say like, oh, I'm being hormonal, I'm just so hormonal. Well, when actually I think what the hormones do to me is they just remove a layer of resilience, revealing mm. what is already there. So it's actually to, the, yeah. there's depletion, you know? Someone gave me a great analogy. It's not PMT, it's permanent megatruth. And it's just like, yes, yes that oh, megatruth. Yeah. <laughs> and oh. it's like... Yeah, all these things I'm thinking, I've been trying to, I've done really well for the rest oh. of my cycle of ignoring them. And it's just like, yeah. but you know, um, I've had Maisie Hill on here to talk about perimenopause, but also yeah. honestly to talk about periods. Like that's a very hormonal thing that wants to hide away from the world. Like there's sometimes mm-hmm. when I basically try and find a corner in my house to get away from everyone. And then give me a few days and a different point in my cycle yeah. and I'll be, I'll be up you for can be in the middle the of it again. again. Yeah. But yeah. sometimes. Yeah. yeah. I think anything that allows us to inject some compassion into ourselves. So when instead of just, you know, criticizing ourselves, oh, my gosh, I'm so intolerant. I'm so irritable. I can't. Oh, what is wrong with me? I need this to pass. Instead of just kind of shaming yourself for those feelings, you know, just to look at it inquisitively and think something's being revealed here. I must be feeling really depleted if I'm finding this so frustrating. How can I? How can I see this as a, you know, as a, as an actionable flag? Yeah. Like, what do I need? What do I need? And and as we keep saying, I was kind of actually go back back to the beginning that <laughs> you didn't know this at the beginning. Um, there are very small actions that can can take place. You know, I'm very guilty once upon a time saying, oh, I need a holiday, or I need to change my career, or my marriage is on the rocks. <laughs> like that's the places that I can often end up in. And actually, no, you need an early night, and yes. you need to go and eat yeah. a really like filling lunch. And mm. suddenly, the world feels like you can. And it's amazing, isn't it? How suddenly you're like, oh. Yeah. yeah, this this like the the food on the ceiling in that moment feels horrendous, and yes, it's annoying mm. to have to clean it. But once you've breathed, and yeah, the kids are in bed, you're like actually cleaning it is absolutely fine. It's it's just an irritation yeah, rather than absolutely. Like, is... Yeah, so it's not kind of like an utter write off, and <laughs> and I think you know, and it's also not letting yourself be defined by those moments. Yes, because because we can really carry guilt. You know, there's there was a moment um, when when Oscar was my oldest one was was a mere toddler and I had a screaming refluxy baby and I and he oh. we were potty training him and I remember I lost the plot at him in, in this kind of in this toilet in this church at a playgroup and I screamed <laughs> and I literally had nothing left and he still remembers it and we walked past that building, <gasps> Mummy. That he is talks about it. that. That is the that is the toilet where you shouted at me, and he was two, and he's now six. 
you know and and actually I could carry so much guilt but but really that was a turning point for me of man I I need I need more than I'm having because this isn't okay this isn't okay so instead of shaming myself forever like how can I let that transform the way that I approach resourcing myself yeah and more importantly, with your children, not more importantly, as importantly, with your children, you're not, you don't say to them, like, you don't pretend that didn't happen. This no. is the thing that, so what, so say we all, we have these awful raging moments and once mm-hmm. a calm is, you've come, how do you then approach it with your kids? You try and talk through what you've done. Yeah, I, so the other day I said to Charlie, I'm so sorry. I am so sorry for shouting at you like that. And he said, oh, it's okay, mummy. And I said, actually, no, it's, it's, it's not, not okay. That yeah. isn't how mummy, that is not how I want to be. I love you. And I, I would have liked to have been more patient. And I'm really sorry. And I'm going mm-hmm. to, you know, sometimes when I'm really tired, you know, and I, and I talk about their emotions. And I say, you know, when you've had a bad night's sleep and you feel really grumpy and you like, you might have more fights with Oscar. You know, and it's just, yeah, and then it's it's almost kind of committing to myself and then actually I'm going to start acknowledging my, my needs because I've obviously got to that point and I don't want mm. to get to that point. I don't mm-hmm. like it. It's, you know, when you when you kiss them to bed good, good night and you're looking at their little faces and you're oh. just filled with guilt of like, I will do better tomorrow. Mm. Well, we can only do better tomorrow if we if we do the little things that is going to respect the fact that we're humans too and we have needs too and we have the edges of our resources too we are mm. important we mm. are important we need not to be at the bottom of the pile we need to be at the top of the pile like we're the mm. pilot on the plane if the pilot's not looking after himself everyone is everyone is screwed you know and i think we've we've got this kind of damaging approach to love in our culture where like to love to love is to give yourself away to love is to put every put that other person as utmost important but actually mm. if we want to love well we need to put you know it's the whole you need to put on your mask first yeah, your mask, exactly. but you really 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 do yeah you really do and and again it's modeling that behavior with our kids like we want them mm. to prioritize their own needs and actually yeah if if as they get older they can learn to take themselves. I'm, I'm trying to do that. Like we've got similar age boys, and my word, mm. they fight. Do they fight? And yeah, it's yeah, trying yeah. to yeah. extract, let, teach them to extract themselves from a situation. Yeah. Teach, teach them to know, yeah, if when they're getting hungry. I mean, they're always hungry. They always want a snack. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. But maybe they're smart with their snacking. Maybe they know. Maybe we yeah. need to learn. Yeah. Yeah. Them. yeah. But, and yeah, it's, it's, um, it's really difficult but if you're yes. I guess I'm trying to think of some like bigger if you are repeatedly having fits of rage like as it's a, becoming a very commonplace thing that is such a big red flag to get help and it, it is and I know and it's not I know it's not easy and it is a massive privilege to have access to therapy and I know that there are kind of months and months of waiting lists at points in different areas for GPs but it is absolutely worthy of it and sometimes we need to unpick you know how we've been taught how to deal with emotion mm-hmm. you know how we've been taught how to deal with some of our needs how we've how we've learned how to love what we've learned that love looks like and often that's generational and you know my mum mm. oh my gosh she's amazing she would have cut off her right arm for anyone you know, she would have sorted everyone else before she sorted herself yeah. out. And and yeah. 
And so often, like, we've learned these things out of a real place of real love and mm. doing the best that someone had with the knowledge that they had and the resources they yeah. had. What, but actually, now there is so much more pressure on us as, as mums. My mum will say to me, Anna, it's not easy being a mum at this time in our culture. There is so it's much not. pressure. The standards have got nudged and nudged and nudged so high. They're kind of, you know, so out of reach. And yeah. there's a gap between what we expect of ourselves and the reality of what we're able to do. And if that gap stays big, it's going to be filled with shame. It's going to be filled with rage and self-criticism and self-abuse and self-destruction because we're never going to be enough, mm. ever. Mm. We will die trying. So do we want yeah. to die trying? Or do we want to start be treating ourselves like human beings that are deserving of good things and rest and love and support and laughter and you know yeah it's it isn't it and actually this is going to be a very neat segue into your new book which i was reading last night <laughs> um which is brilliant would you which yeah this is which is all about self-esteem isn't it mm, mm. it is it's it is. It's saying that actually, you know, so often we know what to do. And I know we were saying this earlier. We know the things to do, but they're hard to do. And a massive reason for this tends to be that underneath it, or do we actually believe we are worthy of love and rest and good things or, or not? And I think so often, actually, when it comes down to it, we're just trying to earn a sense of deservedness for the for the good things in our lives so that we can actually enjoy them and engage in them and we can embody the the roles that we have and the jobs that we have because we just almost feel like imposters not only in workplaces but in parenting in our lives and in our relationships and our mm. and it's it's yeah there's so much more for us than that yeah. and it's a stripping back of you know your your worth never changed but your awareness of it did and it can change again so that you can get to a place where you feel like, actually, I deserve to sit on the sofa right now. I need to sit on the mm. sofa right now. I deserve mm. to ask for support mm. because I yeah, have equal it, worth as the people that I'm living to serve. Yeah, because as a kid in all of us, you know, like you never, you never think, I always think that I, I want everything from my children and in order for them mm. to have, and I'm not talking material, I'm just talking, you know, I, whenever they ask for a cuddle you don't think that's one cuddle too many and mm, yet mm. we don't allow ourselves all of it you know we deserve as much as they do don't we otherwise we do otherwise how, do. how can we possibly give it to them that's it we we need to be given out of an overflow and i think we're we're too used to giving out of the scraped out bottom of a barrel where we create this wonderful life for our families yet we're too exhausted and depleted to, to even enjoy fully live in it and enjoy it and yeah. this is it this goes back to like that kind of morbid thought of we're going to die. This is it. This is so let's let's find a way to live it and love it and be in it, even if it's hard mm. and messy, because that is what it is. It is sometimes hard and messy, but it's also wonderful and rich and incredible and memory making. And it's there for the taking. Mm. Zoe Blasky says a brilliant thing about it's not of mother kind. It's not about how something looks on the outside. It's how something feels when you're doing it. And, mm -hmm. you know, the um, the unicorn cake took hours and hours of like, does that does that add up to the to how it feels? And 
I know that Greta would be happy with the shop brought cake that I've put a load of Smarties on. Yeah. Because it, it would still feel as joyful as her and it's it's within my capabilities. And then I get yeah. to show up at that birthday party and enjoy it because, hey, it's yeah. the day that I gave birth to that child. So I'd like to be present Absolutely. in my, in, yes. and not, and not burn out. It's giving, yourself, it's giving yourself permission to do these things, even if everything inside you is screaming, all these habitual kind of approaches of, no, I should be doing it like this. I shouldn't be doing it like that. I've got to, you know, this means that I'm a bad mum because I'm not inputting this amount of energy. Well, actually, you know that you're reserving something for her for it and that yeah. that is a that is a gift in itself and yeah mm. it's important it's the same as that holiday isn't it and uh, yeah we won't keep going back this is exactly the same thing there is no point going on holiday for the sake of going on a holiday if if it's going to have the opposite effect you're better to have a holiday in your own house on a saturday and yeah get takeaways yeah. and stay in your pajamas because actually guarantee there'll be the bits that your kids remember better than a car ride where you're so angry and tight jawed mm. that you can't even talk to anyone <laughs> oh. absolutely and that the you know the guilt that I felt at not of breaking it to the kids that we weren't going there were there were real tears you know there were there mm. were tears about that and and I I just thought you know if say I say I spent our savings on on a holiday so say I you know I kind of drained an account on a holiday and then maybe we were in debt from that we all benefited from that holiday right so therefore that debt is is our collective responsibility mm -hmm. and I think I had to think of it as I am burnt out because I have spent everything of myself this last year trying mm -hmm. to make it work to make it work so therefore my burnout is our collective mm. responsibility. Sounds... Everyone has mm. benefited from me, you know, doing, 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 doing. And and therefore, when I'm broken in a heap, that is our collective thing to... Yeah, no man left behind. To sort really. out, yeah. And yeah, that, it's, it's true. It's, it's just a, ref a way of reframing it, I think, that really helped me. And uh, yeah, and actually, to look back, I, I hate the thought of my mum spending, which she would have done, spending our childhood being burnt out. I'm sure she was. And and mm -hmm. I can say that now as an adult, looking back on my childhood, and, and I hope that, yeah, my kids will in part think that I wasn't burnt out, apart from 2020 to 2021 when we all were. But um, yeah, yeah, they, yeah, they wouldn't wish that. They wouldn't, I'm sure of it. No. They, they, they'd rather have five minutes of fun, mummy, than just showing up mm. and... Um, going through the motions so yeah. i'm now going to wind this towards the end anna that i'm, I'm flagging the parts of the, the podcast so you know where you're at <laughs> three questions <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> three questions where where can people find you plug your book card tell people where they can buy it because it's great and you're great so they need to be able to find you thank you um so i'm on instagram as uh, anna martha um and i've got a blog anna martha easily remembered um and i just share stuff on their thoughts little bits of writing that that come out of normally my own experience that i i always share stuff that i hope will help people understand themselves a little bit better if you know what i mean um my book is out on the 30th of may but i also have another book that was out last year called mind over mother so it goes through a lot around some of these topics that we've been talking about and especially from an anxiety standpoint so if you're feeling if you 
have any kind of worry and anxiety as a mum that's overtaking your headspace, then yeah, my, I think all of my message is that having low self-esteem, imposter syndrome, people pleasing, anxiety, all of these things, we they're common, right? So we just mm. think, oh well, it's just it's just my thing to carry. I've just I'm a people pleaser, or I've got imposter syndrome, or I've got low self esteem or low confidence, and we just kind of we let that just be, and we kind of talk about it, and we okay it in each other because we're all feeling similar. And I think what I want to say to people as a therapist, and also as someone whose life has been utterly, utterly, utterly transformed by these things, is that. Just because it's common, please, please, please try and find it in yourself to want more for yourself than for this to be mm. your normal. It doesn't need to be your normal. You don't need to go through life kind of feeling like you don't deserve the love that comes away and the support and the rest and the, you know, the, the wonderful things that are in your life there because you deserve them. And and yeah, and I dedicated actually Know Your Worth to my kids and I'm trying to remember what I wrote, but I think it was, you know, to Oscar, Charlie and Florence, I will forever work on this, on my worth, because I, I want to believe that I am worthy of you and being loved by you and loving you. So, you know, what a motivation to do these things, to be able mm. to enjoy the love. Because mm. I think for me, that was the hardest thing in my life was to, to, to receive love which is very sad you know and we can get to a place where we can yeah enjoy ourselves it. and accept yeah Anna like my succinct version of it is that Anna is absolutely adept at marrying professional um knowledge with personal experience in a way that I don't know anyone else that does it it's like you know what you're talking about and you're show you're showing it in a real life setting and it Mm. she always solves it she doesn't just put little tidbits out there basically every single post that you put out is like oh yeah thanks you've uh, <laughs> saved me a bit of therapy there well You're it's amazing. just it's naming and explaining an emotion in in a way that that you know so often we just feel ashamed we just judge ourselves for feeling that way and I think as soon as we can start to unpick it and see it for what it is we can find compassion for ourselves or we can just let it be and man we need more of that man we need more of that what is it? Um, there's a there's a Buddhist expression that even cloudy water settles. So sometimes, yeah, just wait, let it settle, yeah. and and then yeah, it, yeah it'll be fine. Okay, two Love more questions. That. My favorite my favorite trait in people is honesty. That's how I come to do the work that I do. If you were to think of one trait you most admire in other people or in yourself, what would it be and why? One of the traits I've I've always admired is people who can just be honest. Oh, that's exactly yeah. the same thing as what you said. Yeah. And I think no. it's it's that it's authenticity and it's just being honest about where your boundaries are and saying if some do you know what there was a guy I remember um in one of my old workplaces and people used to say, Can you do this meet can you be there for this meeting? Can you do this event that evening? Mm -hmm. And and he would just say, No, I can't. And no, I just, just used to be so admiring because he couldn't. And I don't even know why he couldn't. It might have been because he was exhausted and he wanted a night with his partner. Yeah. But I just found it awe-inspiring because it was so far removed from... from I, I struggled at. so much to be authentic. And I, I was always in conflict with how I actually felt and what I actually thought mm. and what I did. So yeah, whilst I value honesty, I was very dishonest in how I mm. presented myself to the world. So that's what I admire and that's what I, yeah, I like to surround myself with people who 
who are authentic because it encourages it gives me confidence to be like well I can handle the fact that they said no so maybe people can handle the fact if I say no sometimes and then yeah. you start testing the waters and yeah it slowly starts changing you because you realize the world doesn't fall apart if you're yourself and then my last question is I'm obviously a big fan of a big chat and I always think about back in my heyday that involved like a pack of cigarettes and probably like two in the morning now my favorite kind of chat is something close to this but if you can think of your kind of ideal big chat scenario who would it be with what kind of time of day what you know would there be food what you know all that stuff what's your ideal big chat situation oh so for me it would be catching up with an old friend you know the friends that you yeah you just feel instantly yourself around and it would be Mm. in front of a fire with a nice glass of red wine with our feet on the sofa That would just be, you know, oh, and just like l- nice lighting and maybe some crisps. Yeah, crisps you know, Picky food. So you're not feeling like, oh, we've got to cook a meal and sit down and eat oh. a meal. But it's that. It's that, actually. And that's what I miss over this last year is those mm. connections and talking about everything and talking about everything and nothing where your conversation mm. just kind of overlaps and it comes back and it, yeah, that. So, um... Well, I am now going to wind this up. Thank you, Anna. Sorry about the confusion. It, it, it was absolutely brilliant, even if I got you slightly on your, on your back foot. I hope oh, yeah, I know, feel it's, okay it's about great. that. Absolutely. I know, and, you know, these conversations are all about being honest. And what's more honest than, than, than me talking not to you, not realising that people are going to be listening. So yeah. there we go. And that's it. What I find whenever I have a conversation with Anna is that I actually want to go and re-listen to it a few times, which is exactly what I've done, because there are so many small, genius bits of insight that I end up applying to my day-to-day life. And I think my biggest takeaways from this is not overriding the signals from your body of when you're feeling a little bit stressed, when you're feeling irate or when you're feeling tired not to keep soldiering on through that and not just to keep going and keep going and keep going because although it might appear that you're managing to keep going the impact of that is that it can end up in these explosive rageful moments and worse still eventually for burnout this is much more about we hear about mindfulness but actually it's it's just taking care of yourself and and keeping yourself back from from that point of no return and especially as we all keep saying but over the last year when when life has been had an extra layer of challenge because of the pandemic we have to be even more careful to try and put those things in place and by those things it is just taking yourself out sitting down for five minutes and this thing about not needing to meditate but just shutting down for five minutes shutting your eyes that really is something we all can find capacity to do so yeah i'm very grateful to her i found this episode personally helpful and i hope you did too and i'll look forward to hearing from you next week hearing from you no you'll be hearing from me catching up with you next week bye bye